0: This is Talking Mule Deer with your hosts Steve Belinda and Jody Stemmler. Talking Mule Deer takes you on a journey to learn more about the Mule Deer Foundation, mule deer and black-tailed deer biology and management, tips and tactics for hunting, conservation issues, and even features some of our corporate and celebrity partners. Now, let's start talking mule deer. All right, this is Jody Stemmler.
1: And I'm Steve Belinda, and today we're talking with Jeff Crane of the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation here at the 2019 SHOT Show. Jeff, welcome. Thank you.
2: Glad to be here with both of you.
0: Yeah, now Jeff and I actually go uh, go back quite a long ways because I used to be the Director of Communications of the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation when Jeff was the Director of Policy at Congressional Sportsman's right. Foundation many years ago and now as President. So he worked
1: up and you worked out. That's it. <laughs> Not necessarily in that
2: order.
0: Well, I will say, um, and and what we want to do is spend a little bit of time understanding what Congressional Sportsman's Foundation is, but but as a friend and as a colleague, what you have done with the organization over the last 13 years since I left. Uh, we were we were on an upward trajectory, but you have blown the roof off for the organization. So we are honored to have you here with us today, and, and thanks for all you do. So tell thanks. us what is Congressional Sportsman's Foundation, and, and what is it you do? Why are you important?
2: So we're... Entering our 30th year, which is hard to imagine, Jody, and where the time goes, but uh, so we were set up to work um, originally in Congress with like-minded members of Congress, Republicans, Democrats, House members, Senate members, to identify opportunities in the policy arena to advance hunting, shooting, trapping, recreational shooting, and that's still the core mission, though we have expanded that into the states uh, in, in the years while you were there for the first initial one in 2004 but uh, originally we were set up to work inside of th- Washington with the United States Congress.
0: So the Congressional Sportsmen's Foundation is an organization but there is a something called the Congressional Sportsman's Caucus. Tell me a little bit about that.
2: So caucuses are basically there are lots of caucuses in the Congress. I mean there's literally four or five hundred of them. Uh, wine caucuses, cowboy boot caucuses, his, <laughs> the Hispanic caucus, on and on and on. Um, The Sportsman's Caucus are are folks that uh, believe in sustainable use and conservation, uh, and it has grown into the largest, most active bipartisan caucus on Capitol Hill. And we've got leadership in the House, leadership in the Senate, Republicans and Democrats. Uh, Our view is is that uh, conservation and hunting and fishing is not defined by a political party, uh, and it is more about educating those folks that don't know it, and we use the caucus to help do that.
0: So, and you mentioned the states, Um, you about 10 years ago launched something called the National Assembly of Sportsmen's Caucuses, which follows a similar model in state legislatures, is that correct?
2: That's exactly right. Uh, And we started in 2004 with that idea, uh, have now grown that to 48 of the 50 states, uh, nearly 2,500 out of 74. 200 state legislators, so it's a, it's a actually a bigger functioning policy role than than what um, the the sportsmen's caucus is in Washington.
0: Okay, and and you also have a governor's sportsmen's caucus as well. Correct. Right. So um, obviously governorships. Basically, what you're trying to accomplish is to try to. Provide resource, provide the information to the legislative, to the elected bodies, the individuals who are um, making a difference or will in some capacity, either by voting on legislation or um, setting up, um, you know, any kind of policy through the governor's office um, and, right. and make sure that they're being they're listening to sportsman's issues. They're caring about conservation and sportsman's.
2: That's all we do. So that is you nailed it. We work in in the political arena at the state and the federal level. Um, I've got um, staff that are spread all across the country, so geographically they can get to the to the state capitals and be uh, around the legislators and the governor's offices so we have a rapport and a trust that we're not going to steer somebody wrong, we're not going to play partisan politics, that this is truly about what's good for hunting and conservation and fishing and wildlife. And so um, that's exactly what we do.
0: Okay. So we are, um, you know, the average sportsman might say, Pfft. I don't care about politics, never done anything good for me, but we have Miles Moretti. I can Moretti. understand that <laughs> I, I can, based, well, on, true. based <laughs> on what's <laughs> going on in
2: Washington but, right now. Yeah, no kidding.
0: <laughs> but we also, we have Miles Moretti here, president of the Mule Deer Foundation, um, and you guys both have, find it obviously very important to work on policy-related initiatives. Between the two of you, explain why the average sportsman should care about policy.
3: Well, I'm... Glad you let me join you with such a distinguished guest. <laughs> and uh, He was late, by the way. Yeah, yes. I thanks, was, thanks, I was, thanks I, Miles. Yeah, I was late, sorry. Uh, I was Trying to navigate this, the shot show, show floor. Shot show floor, but, uh, and then Butler stopped me. So. Oh, there you go. But anyhow, uh, you know, it's amazing how many issues that Congress and the federal government do and the state legislatures that affect wildlife, wildlife conservation, you know, state wildlife management, appropriation to the federal agencies. I mean, these are all things that we work on and are really important programs. And and
0: by appropriation, you mean providing federal funding, which, you know, when the government shuts down is what they're not doing. Right. right. But um, that's what an appropriation means. Yeah. Right,
3: right. now, during the government shutdown, we, we can't do our habitat projects. We're, we're st- stopped. We're kind of dead in the water right now until the government gets reopened which is what we're in right now
0: okay so tell me give me an example um of of some of the the policy that went down in the last congress that you all were working on that is that would be relevant that would 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 be understandable to somebody in the field about why what makes a difference
2: so so um one of the biggest things, and it's really the private land side of things is the the farm bill um It gets authorized every five years. There's a great big conservation title. It's a lot of incentive programs like the conservation Reserve program, the environmental the EQUIP. I can't even think of all the acronyms. yeah, yeah. Program. Washington is great with it yeah, acron- oh yeah. we, acron- we, we love letters nobody understands but but there's a lot of uh, private land um, programs so the farm bill we were able to work with Congress to negotiate our way through that so um, that that was really an important thing now it's incumbent in on us to work with the new Congress to make sure they're implementing things correctly so
0: and miles that farm bill actually had a, a something pretty important for mule deer conservation and sagebrush conservation Tell us a little bit about that.
3: A, a bill that we've been working on for about three years, which uh, was sponsored by Senator Hatch of Utah and Senator Heinrich of New Mexico. It was called the Sagebrush Mule Deer Enhancement Act. And so what it it does is help speeds up the bureaucracy for us to do projects on the ground. And it, uh, it, it was a really great bipartisan bill. It had a lot of support and passed the Senate almost unanimously and was only caught up in kind of the end of Congress. So they put it in the Farm Bill, and it's going to really help mule deer out west. So
0: basically what that did was it created an opportunity of something called a categorical exclusion, right. allowing for habitat restoration projects. So a lot of the stuff that you, Steve, are working on and Mule Deer Foundation in general on for big habitat projects that benefit sage yeah. grouse, sage brush. <laughs> Mule deer habitat. So we took the we took what folks practitioners are out there doing
1: now, and being successful at, and looking at the the hardship that comes with getting a project approved on federal ground, and a lot of that is the National Environmental Policy Act, procedures and documents, the clearances for uh, cultural resources and the Endangered Species Act issues that you sometimes create bottlenecks and says okay where can we do things. Out on the landscape that are good for these two species that don't violate any laws that basically it's a bureaucratic administrative issue and how can we speed that up and the way you do that is through either tiering to a completed environmental assessment or environmental impact statement or doing what they call a categorical exclusion which gets vetted by an agency and the council of environmental quality to say that project in and of itself is not having an impact detrimental to the environment. So therefore, categorically, we're gonna allow this to move forward so that good things can happen. And progress isn't slowed and, and and uh projects aren't slowed because of either uh lack of resources or um just so many projects hitting the pipeline.
0: So as an example, fire goes through an area to be able to replant vegetation back in there, bitterbrush, sagebrush, you know, other grasses and forbs, in the past, you might have to do uh, a NEPA type of a document, an environmental assessment to be able to go in there and do the project, in the meantime, all the weeds move into that burned area. Um, you, you've lost soil because it's now started to run off because you're revegetating. So you haven't been able to revegetate, right? So, so yep. this will allow you to rapidly go into a place like that, uh, a burned out area, and be able to uh, revegetate to improve the habitat um, without having to go through some of that bureaucratic paperwork.
3: You know, simply, I, I call it, it'll enable us to improve mule deer habitat, create healthy rangelands that benefits all wildlife and even the livestock producers there on public land. And so it really is a win-win for, for a, lot of, a lot of wildlife species and a lot of local communities. Yeah, a lot
1: of folks that are against the use of categorical exclusions don't understand. There's still a screening process. There's right. still planning at the local level. There's still an administrative mm-hmm. officer, a decision maker, that has to sign off on that project. All this is doing is saying, there are folks out there that want to help. We know we have a massive projects ahead of us in in both juniper and uh fire rehab let's work to get it done quicker and let's maybe reduce that burden on us and so it uh, it, it hopefully will allow the mule deer foundation and groups like it to get more money on the ground and there are more project work done and better habitat conditions for the species that are out there
3: good and i think another thing that really passes, and jeff i'd like you to talk about this is the fire funding fix right that's huge for us in the west and that that's something that i think is really important so
2: tell us what that is so um obviously we went through another terrible year in particular california with just catastrophic fires so um, the way that things, very simplistically put, the way things are working now, in particular with the Forest Service, when they run out of money to treat and to to manage fires once they've started, they have to borrow money, which basically is robbing Peter to pay Paul because you're right. taken away from the core mission of trying to do good management on the forest because all you're doing is fighting cata- catastrophic fires, and so... Um, we, we worked with Congress and were successful in passing some language that helps with that fire bundling, fire borrowing uh, to create a fix for that where it's uh, treated like disaster relief funding. And so it's not necessarily stealing all the money from one aspect of the Forest Service just for that one component. And hopefully that will allow the Forest Service to, to be able to spend more time doing good management work on the on right. the forest yeah. rangelands.
1: So another aspect of your guys' position Uh, being leaders in the conservation world and in the policy world, is you're both on the Hunting and Shooting Sport uh, Conservation Council. Did I get that right? You did. And that is a Federal Advisory Committee Act chartered group that can give formal advice to the Secretary of Interior and the Secretary of Agriculture. Tell us a little bit about that group and what are the topics and priorities that you guys are dealing with.
3: Well, Jeff's the chairman, so I'll let him go first.
2: Okay. So um, it was, uh, as you said, it's a federal advisory committee. It was appointed uh, by the secretaries um, with with a charter that tells us what we're supposed to be focusing on, which is really primarily federal public lands. But since Department of Ag manages the Farm Bill programs, it includes that and the Forest Service. But... uh, Uh, We immediately, uh, organizationally, I think there's 14 or so of us, something like that, uh, organizationally started creating some committees um, to try to break down the various charges, hunting, shooting sports, conservation, and then then a communications component. And then what we do, uh, Steve, is basically develop as a group specific recommendations to the various secretaries asking that the government looks at this as you know a possibility to move forward and we put out nine uh, recommendations in our last meeting everything from the potential of using more qualified volunteers to handle ungulate overmanagement in the park service to cwd um more comprehensive CWD to, to handling some of the guzzlers and the issues with, with water and in some of those areas on federal public lands primarily in the southwest and Miles you only want to add
3: to that? And yeah, we and I'm I'm the chairman of the Wildlife Conservation Committee and even though I'm on some other committees and and the and the first real big issue we took on was, was CWD. It's really, you know, raising its its ugly head across the West and in the east now. And uh, encouraging uh, more research dollars, more funding for for monitoring so the state wildlife agencies can can kind of track that. Um, hunter access is a big thing opening up the federal refuges and uh, opening up those federal lands that are either uh, for some reason have a regulation from keeping them open, making things simpler um, and so those are some of the support uh, recommendations we're moving up and as as we go forward there's some other new recommendations coming down that'll help management on on especially on BLM lands and so
1: you guys are are so knowing a little bit about this probably too much to be dangerous you work on things like secretary orders the ones that we've seen come out to give advice on how they can better implement them at the agency level and how well they're doing out to those of us that are experiencing them on the ground is that correct
3: that's correct yeah yeah and you know uh one of one of our, our subcommittees under wildlife conservation is migration corridors right. and we're, we're going to look at ways that we can help supplement make recommendations to the secretary to help uh, you know complement that that secretarial order and ways that the agency sometimes it's hard to get from a secretarial order down to the ground and as you know as being an old person on the uh, BLM person on the ground sometimes what happens in <laughs> Washington DC may not actually, uh, trans, transpire down to the ground, but uh, uh, and I think that's that's a, a good place that we can help. We can find those issues where where bottlenecks are, are occurring in the system.
1: Yeah. So I, and and for those listeners out there who aren't familiar with this, this is the third iteration of a committee like this. Uh, so it, is, it has been bipartisan. Both yes. the, the Bush administration, George W. Bush and uh, President Obama and now President Trump have all seen the value of having this. To advise the secretaries, correct. Yeah, and so I think that's a good example of Jeff. Something you mentioned earlier is you have to be political in this business, but not but not be partisan. Right. And so, Karen, being able to, you know, represent all the views of, of sportsmen out there is pretty important.
2: Yeah, I don't think anybody even we first meet and getting ready to get in a duck line says hey are you a republican or are you a democrat no that doesn't happen you know and so um this is these issues transcend that side of things but understanding the political playing field if you will is where where our organization specifically because we're based right in washington dc we do we do this work full time uh i think just gives us a bit of an advantage just in terms of our background and our location
0: so what what do you guys reading the political tea leaves that are albeit a little bit murky as we're right now just fighting over whether or not we can open the government back up again uh, particularly a lot of our land management agencies Um, but in the next few months uh, moving in this is a brand new congress what do you guys see as being some of the big issues that you'll be working on either in the near term or building momentum across the course of these next two years
2: Miles, if you're good, I'll start with that. So right out of the blocks, um, Senator Murkowski from Alaska reintroduced a public lands package that was really fairly close to to getting agreement at the end of uh, the last Congress and then, you know, partisan politics collapse the whole end of the last congress because they're they're not even able to to open the government back up again so she's reintroduced that we're working with her there's a number of our our uh, access really access provisions uh in that piece of legislation there's farm bill implementation stuff that needs to be really um just monitored and and supervised um The land and water conservation funding and the opportunity to to permanently authorize that and direct some of that money for these um, uh, access only for for hunting and fishing access would be a gigantic thing. And then, of course, another giant initiative is the Recovering America's Wildlife Act, uh, which came out of a blue ribbon panel, and that's trying to direct money back through the states um, off of oil and gas revenues primarily uh, on federal public lands to get out in front of species of greatest concern because we've got uh, a looming crisis in terms of how many species could candidate species could be out there under the Endangered Species Act and just looking at the sage grouse and the amount of money that had to go into one species. There's something like twelve thousand candidate species out there and you can only imagine that this is this is a perfect storm if we don't get out in front of it.
1: And that would provide billions of dollars, correct? Billions, yeah. yeah One
2: no. point three billion a year. And so I mean that's a that's real money even in Washington speak. <laughs> <laughs> but we're really arguing hard, and we had a really good bipartisan run in the House and, and, and got, got a bill introduced in the Senate, um, but a really good bipartisan run in that bill in the 115th Congress, which just ended in 2018. Um, unfortunately, it didn't get all the way there, and if you're nothing else when you work in Washington, you've got to be patient and just keep be persistent because stuff doesn't happen easily in most cases in getting legislation passed.
0: Now, is there a Sportsman's Act as well? I know that's been something people have followed. Um, and those are there are a couple of different types of funding programs and, and authorization th- programs. Is that Tell me a little bit about yeah, I know you so, guys have worked so, in the past.
2: And 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 we have we thought going back to I don't know, eight years ago that this would be a good idea to kind of collectively put together a package and call it the Sportsman's Act and each Congress, because Congress's last two years, so four Congresses in a row, we've come up short. And so last year we told ourselves, man, we're not doing this again. And, you know, the definition of insanity is trying the same <laughs> thing over and over again and expecting a different result. But we had some some of our members of our caucus, some members of Congress, that were really interested in pushing this, and they dropped various versions of the bill Right now, the uh, again, Senator Murkowski's got some of those provisions. Jody, I personally, and to just for my own, I don't want to do this again. This is an enormous amount of energy and time, and, and I've seen how this, this play ends. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to do so it again.
3: Find a
0: new way around.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. Miles, what's, what are some issues in the West, some, uh, either state or federal, that you see coming up?
3: Well, I, th- I think um, implementation of this fire fix and see how that affects us this next year. And then also working with the appropriators for budget to make sure that we can get BLM and the Forest Service the funding they need to to create these healthy rangelands and these healthy forests. And I think that's key. That's that's a big issue. That that's a tough one. And you know, um, uh, it's it's a tough fight because there's a lot of, uh, of funding requests that everybody has. But I think I think having those. Be implemented on the ground in the next couple of years are going to be huge, and and what one of the things about the fire fix earlier is talk about was when those fi- big fires happen, everything gets shut down. They take that money away, and so the the projects that we have, the local contractors that we have working out in the field, they get shut down. And even though they're not in a fire area, they they, they don't have forest service or BLM personnel to to monitor the project. So so that that's, I think, going to help us a lot out there, and uh, and I'm, you know, relying on on Jeff and those back in D.C. to do a lot of heavy lifting on some of the LWCF and some of the other programs. Uh, we won't be maybe as heavily involved there. We'll support, um, but uh, but I see really implementation of these programs and these secretarial orders, of course, kind of institutionalizing migration corridors. Um, there is a, a bill that's a national corridors bill that has some problems with it Mm -hmm. and so i think we can uh we can be effective in in either you know modifying that bill or making that bill something that we can work with out out in the west but but as it's written right now it's it's got some real issues
0: well thank you guys for your time here um if so we have every time we put out our magazine we have a a, an article written by the congressional sportsman's foundation that provides a little bit of information about the issues that are going on right now if uh if they want to get more information um or to stay on top of this where where could they go
2: uh, i mean obviously we've got a web page it's a long one it's congressional sportsmen.org that's uh, men m-e-n right? me Uh and please uh, we've got weekly electronic n- news things that go out but yeah we we're happy to have people subscribe we've got social media and everything that you would expect.
0: And, to. and CongressionalSportsman.org will also get you information to the state caucuses as well. Correct. So you can get information not just about what's going on in Congress and how you might have an impact, um, but also what's going on in your state legislatures right. um, because there are you know, very specific things that, that, that can impact your hunting and fishing in the state legislatures and Congressional Sportsman's Foundation and their – it's it's a spin-off organization, but it's all the same staff right. with the National Assembly. of Sportsmen's caucuses is a tremendous resource to get that information.
2: Right. So we're following on average five thousand bills a week when Ooh. when they're in session. So you want to find out about something, we probably have something that we can tell you Sorry, about and, what's
0: and going on. And the North Carolina um, just recently had a constitutional amendment to guarantee you right to hunt, hunt and fish. fish. Those are the types of things that the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation and state sportsman's caucuses are doing. So just as an example.
1: So, Jeff, let me ask you this before we leave. I hear all the time, sportsmen at the local level, don't get involved because it doesn't make a difference. How do you respond to
2: that? I I, I, I hear it all the time, too, and I think that... Our numbers, in terms of declining numbers, are indicative that you better be involved or you're going to let it slip away for a lot of reasons. But, yeah, we need you to be involved. Show up to your chapters and the Mule Deer uh, Foundation. Go, go to, to local meetings, meetings and whatnot. Be involved. You, you don't have to be an expert in policy or politics to understand that there are issues there. Uh, your voice has to be made heard, or otherwise we're going to get rolled over.
1: Even just picking up the phone and calling your congressman or your senator's office and saying, I want you to vote yay or nay, makes a difference. It does. Yeah. And I'm you a mule find hunter, find it, and
2: I want can, you to support right. this. That. And you can find information on our websites and a lot of the other sporting uh, conservation groups' websites. It'll tell you how to write it. You don't have to be the policy yeah. expert on it. You just got to know that, hey, if this happens, you know, we are going to be adversely impacted, and therefore we want you to do X. Simple.
1: Well, gentlemen, um, it's been a pleasure. We, as always, thank you for what you do, Jeff. I, I think you have one of the hardest jobs in conservation, but probably one of the most rewarding jobs in conservation when you see stuff come through that helps sportsmen and conservation. And so we d- we're, we're happy you took some time out of your uh, SHOT Show schedule to talk to us, and we really look forward to working with both of you in the future. All right. Thank, Thanks. You. Thank, Thank you, Steve. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jody. Till the next
0: time, this is Jody Stemmler.
1: And I'm Steve Blanin. Thank you for talking Mule Deer.
0: Since we talked to Jeff and Miles at SHOT Show, Congress passed S-47, the John D. Dingell, Jr. Conservation Management and Recreation Act, and President Trump signed it into law on March 12th. This legislation that Jeff mentioned reauthorizes the Land and Water Conservation Fund and includes specific sportsman's access provisions. The legislation also includes numerous public lands and waters conservation, including protection of the Metau headwaters in the Okanagan-Wenatchee National Forest, which is home to Washington State's largest mule deer herd. Thanks for talking mule deer with Steve Belinda and Jody Stemmler. The Mule Deer Foundation is the only conservation group in North America dedicated to restoring, improving, and protecting mule deer and black-tailed deer and their habitat. MDF is a strong voice for hunters in access, wildlife management, and conservation policy issues. To find out more, visit www.muledeer.org and stay tuned for the next episode of Talking Mule Deer.